Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 94, The Mystery of Angels, part 3. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello, welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell here with... John Potts. And John, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. And John is now a permanent member of our co-host team. Yeah. So we're really very happy to have you here. And John, we've been talking about angels. Yeah. Last couple couple episodes under our belt already. A couple episodes turned into a three-parter. And uh, we appreciate everybody uh, sticking with us on this one. So this will be part three of the Mystery of Angels. And we're going to dive right into talking about the angels in the last days. So we've seen a lot about what angels are, who they are. And um, by the way, I'm excited to announce that uh, one uh, author I've been reaching out to that I wanted to get on the show as a guest to talk about angels is, in fact, uh, Timothy Alberino. So we've scheduled that and look for an upcoming episode very soon, folks, with uh, Timothy, the author of Birthright. You'll find it's a fascinating, fascinating book and subject to talk about. But anyway, diving right in, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel 12, because we've been talking about angels interacting with men. And in Daniel chapter 12, we've got uh, an angel named Michael, who's actually the archangel. Uh, And I think an archangel is something very specific. Like, um, it's almost like he's a general. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's, it's fascinating when you think about it. The term, are you familiar with the phrase in the Bible, the Lord of hosts? I have seen that many times. I never put too much thought into it. So I didn't either. Uh, the Lord of hosts always kind of made me think of like hosts as in, I think there was a point at which um, certain churches would do like a communion service. Okay. And the the wafer or the bread or something was called the host. I, I could be getting that wrong because it's more of a denominational type teaching. But I guess that was the only... Uh, thought that that ever used to come into my head was Lord of Hosts that somehow was tied into communion or something. Well, wasn't it in the last episode that you mentioned hosts being an army? Yeah, that's right. So that's what I was getting to the point of uh, today was he's the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. And so what armies, you know, one of the questions I have for uh, Timothy Alberino when we get him on the show is to discuss this whole concept about uh, civilizations that existed before God even made man. Mm-hmm. 
angels and battling factions and the Lord of hosts, why is he the Lord of armies, you know, King of kings and Lord of lords. I think that goes far deeper than most people realize. You know, most, or put that much thought into. That's really interesting, yeah. Yeah, it, it, he put a lot of thought into it. And, and what made me think of that is the passage we're about to read in Daniel is a reference to Michael, who in the Bible is called the archangel. And an archangel implies he's got some sort of a high position, almost like a general. I'm a commanding mm-hmm. officer. So when you think about the Lord of hosts, yeah, you would have ranking officers yeah. in the army, right? Yeah. So here he is talking to Daniel in chapter 12, verse 1. It's actually not Michael doing the talking. Whoever this angel is is referring to Michael when he says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. Now, Daniel's people are Israel. Yeah. Daniel's actually in captivity. This is still during the time of the um, of the 70 years. Although I think he's living in the time of the, the Persian Empire now, not the Babylonian Empire. But he refers to Michael as the great prince. And Michael is the prince of Israel. You know, he is their prince that will, he's basically their defender. You know, so okay. when you think of a general and a, and a military leader, he's that he's their prince. And he says uh, that um, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And that's a reference to what we call the time of tribulation. Yeah. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. And I suspect he's referring to the book of life. <clears throat> everyone whose name is written in the book of life. Is that a reference to the rapture? Everyone shall be delivered? Not necessarily, because a rapture is one form of deliverance. Uh-huh. And when we think of the rapture, we think of being caught up and delivered from the wrath to come. Yeah. There are some saints that are going to go through the time of wrath on the earth. Mm-hmm. They're not, the wrath is not directed at them. It's God's directing his wrath against the ungodly and the wicked and the Nephilim and the yeah. Antichrist. But those that are going to be the Israel of God during that time will be persecuted by the Antichrist and his armies. Mm -hmm. They'll be tried, and um, they're going to be delivered eventually. So it's not just the rapture. It's more than one event of deliverance that we're talking about here. But all of us share one thing in common, whether we're part of Israel's salvation program or whether we're part of the dispensation of grace, we're all... Um, found, our names are written in the book of life Yeah, you know, through, through the blood of the Lamb. And then there's a resurrection in verse 2. <clears throat> and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And while he doesn't mention it there, that's a reference to the two resurrections. There's the first resurrection unto life. And there's the second resurrection at the end of a thousand-year reign of Christ, which appears to be the final judgment of all. Okay. Verse 3, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Now, it's fascinating because I think the book that he's talking about may very well be the book that was in the hand of God on the throne 
that John wrote about in Revelation. Okay. So when yeah. John was caught up to the to heaven and he wrote the Revelation and he wrote of the scene that, that he saw in heaven there, he saw a book in the hand and he who is able, they asked uh, the elders or one mm-hmm. of the beasts asked, who is worthy to open the seals of the book? And he said, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And then one of them said, uh, weep not, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the seals of the book. Yeah. And so that would be Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God to open the seals. So what's interesting is an angel gives him these words, tells him to seal it to the time of the end. And a reference is made to the archangel, Michael, who will stand up for the people in the end, in the time of the end. So angels even in prophecy, are given in reference to the end times. So let's, since I mentioned that, uh, the sealed book, let's go to Revelation 5. Can you I, can I yeah. ask you something real quick Absolutely. before we go to that? So it, I, I find it very interesting. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. The very last phrase there is what's really interesting to me. Many shall run to and fro, mm-hmm. which is, I've thought about that. Now, what does that mean, right? Yeah. People running to and fro, but... Also, and knowledge shall increase, if, if, which is extremely obvious to me that in the last, I'm going to say, 50 years, maybe a little bit longer than that, mm-hmm. exponentially, and especially since the computer was invented, right. that our knowledge has, has increased exponentially. Yeah. I mean, computers used to be the size of a building, right. and now they fit in the palm of in your, your hand, hand, right? <laughs> and people have so much more knowledge now than they ever did before because you used to have to go to a library to look stuff up or microfiche or whatever. Now you can just check anything you want. Now how much of that is false and how much of that <laughs> is reality? True. But, but that's a great example of knowledge being greatly increased. And then the running to and fro, I thought about that, and I was like, well, I mean, does that refer to our ability to jump on a plane and fly across the ocean in eight hours? You know, I think it does, John. I, I literally think people running to and fro is a is a reference to travel, mm-hmm. and travel which was never easy or safe until the invention of yeah. the, uh, the combustion engine. You know, not that, um, you know, we didn't have improvements along the way. Obviously, safe travel uh, became at one point was the fastest way to traverse a large distance, mm-hmm. but you relied on the wind and the weather. Um, and then, um, animals were limiting whatever. And then yeah. traveling yeah. over land, particularly encountering, uh, geographic obstacles like a mountain range, you mm-hmm. know, was sometimes yeah. almost impossible to traverse, you know, depending on the height of the mountains. Then the combustion engine was created, and from there it increased exponentially, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, from yeah. traveling with uh, an automobile to the trains, the steam-powered engines, of course, uh, first, and then airplanes. So now you can be in another continent in a matter of hours. Yeah, you know, and th- and even today they're still working on speeding up that kind of travel. You know, bullet trains, that yeah. maglev. I mean, it's insane. You know, so I think running to and fro and knowledge increasing, uh, you know, you're talking about AI, computers and and things like that. We're we're reaching a point where we we know more than we should. Absolutely. Human beings have the capacity for self-destruction, but we were limited by technology. Now, the push of a button could destroy all life on the planet. And of course, we always right. Christians and everyone always goes, oh, it's the end times, right? Look, we're yeah. all flying around the earth and we got we got um, iPhones now that can run the space shuttle, right? <laughs> 
But who knows? It could be 500 more years and yeah. people could be walking through a portal and yeah. running to and fro, right? Or they like, could almost have, like a, who knows what their knowledge is. What was that thing that Star Trek used to use when they would energize uh, transporters? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like me, just yeah. beam me up, right? <laughs> who knows how far it'll be? And, I, you know, we always hold the caveat that while I do believe we are approaching the end times, if we're wrong, the Bible's not wrong. We're just wrong on the yeah. timing. The Lord could tarry another 100 years or 500 years for all we know. Mm -hmm. But the timing of things seems to be pointing to uh, very much that we're near the time of the end. And um, coming up, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and announce it right now. After this episode, uh, I've got a two-part series of my interview with Ryan Peterson already recorded Love that it. I think I'm going to release yeah. next. And we discuss this passage. So I'm only going to touch on it in relationship to the study of angels right now. But I want to just kind of let you know, folks, that Ryan threw me a curveball that in that interview that just blew my mind about the timing of these events. So we, we are in agreement that it's the last days, but when did that actually start? Does it start like, you know, is the last days just the moments leading up to and including the tribulation? Mm -hmm. Or could the last 2,000 years have been a part of it, you know? So if you're going to listen to an episode, that's the one you need to that's be listening the, that's to. That's the one to right? listen that's to. The... Well, I would hope you want to listen to all of them. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, and this is what I referred to earlier. I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne, this is John writing, a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. It is very possible that this is the book that Daniel started and he was told to seal it up. Mm -hmm. Because here we see seals on it. Shut yeah. up the book and seal it till the time of the end. Verse 2, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Clearly a reference to Jesus Christ. Yes. Having been crucified and raised again. So we know this event would have taken place after he rose from the dead. Well, John wrote this 2,000 years ago. So yeah, we have to think yeah. about the is he only looking to see events of the future or is he looking at things both that have happened and will happen, right? We'll ask that question as we read. And behold, verse 6, And uh, lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. A great study would be those seven spirits. I was just about to ask you, so are those angels or is that some other being? They could be angels. Uh, they could be, there's a reference to some angels with ink horns in, in the book of uh, uh, Ezekiel. Hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a topic for a, a discussion we can have a, in an episode. The short answer is I'm not sure who they are. Uh, I know that there's a reference to spirits of God that, you know, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He gives a spirit of wisdom. But are there seven of those spirits? And in this case, the spirit, uh, the word spirits is capitalized, implying a personage, 
rather than just a thought like the spirit okay. of love, yeah. the spirit of sound mind. So it could very well be that it, it, they might be the seven angels of the seven churches. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, there's a discussion that can be had about those seven churches, which are open the book of Revelation. And while they're physical churches in Asia, um, are they really indicative of the seven mm -hmm. ages of the church? So since Christ is the head of the church, since he was raised from the dead, the church began. And there are some that believe that each church is representative of a period of time within the dispensation of grace, or what they might call the church age. Okay. The last church is Laodicea. And uh, if it corresponds to the last age of the church, which would be the time right before the rapture, then Christ said of that church, you're lukewarm. Mm -hmm. I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, so I spew you out of my mouth. Almost as if to say, we're done here. You know, the church no longer has a zeal. It's no longer on fire. It's no longer serving. It's no longer doing what it should be doing. And I think an argument could be made that Christianity today has reached that lukewarm. I was going to say, does that sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> Very mean. much to me. Very much. And uh, not to say that every believer, every individual is that way, yeah. but the church at large, you know. Yeah, it just seems like, and I know I mentioned this before, and I'll probably get kicked off the podcast <laughs> if I keep bringing it up, right? It just seems like you go to church and it's so, for what you just said, lukewarm. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to touch any top. They're surely not talking about Nephilim. Right. And or I, aliens you, or spiritual not, wickedness. Most churches won't talk about uh, the rapture, right? Won't talk about revelation or end time. Anything won't talk about quote prophecy. unquote controversial. Yeah, yeah, just stuff that you know. I think a lot of people just have so many questions about, and they don't get the answers when mm. they go to church. And if they are getting those answers, then they're going to a great church. You yeah. know, that's really kind of expanding their mind or challenging things. So, I have a brother in Christ who was attending a, a church uh, locally here before he started coming to ours when I was still pastoring, and he confided in me that he would go to every time the door was open, any Bible study, any service they had, but they never taught anything. And he asked them, are you ever going to talk about prophetic things, eschatology, you know, direct some time, some attention to that. Mm -hmm. And rather than saying, yes, we will, or giving him any positive affirmation about it, he developed the nickname of, they called him Mr. Eschatology, you know, <laughs> okay. almost to ridicule him. Yeah. You know, as if you're, you shouldn't be asking these questions, you know, so what you're is the that? You're the crazy you? guy in the Yeah, you're stirring <laughs> things up. You know, you're the mixer. All you want to talk about is eschatology. And he's like, well, I just asked once, you know, and you, you never gave me an answer. So I asked again, and now I'm being belittled for asking you to teach this book. Yeah. You know, so I think that's somewhat indicative of a lot of churches. Isn't it today. interesting how people will will flock to the movie theaters or flock to mm. TV? By the way, I started watching Stranger Things. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, everybody wants to see, you know, Interstellar and everybody wants to see mm. all these movies. And it's so interesting. And then as soon as you say, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that in the Bible. Oh, oh I yeah. don't want to hear about that. Right. I mean, now, now you're getting too real for me. Right. And then, and, so, and then you get to the point where you realize, all these things you're describing, movies, TV shows, mm -hmm. they've been grooming your, our minds to accept what's coming. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just entertainment. 
because Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's not interested in our entertainment. You think, well, he wants to distract us from the from the uh, the, the mission at hand. Well, that's true, but he's also trying to manipulate our minds. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he blinds the minds of them that believe not. So, is he not in fact really conditioning us to accept a reality of extraterrestrial beings? of uh, you know, government control, mind control, MK Ultra. That's what Stranger Things is all about. It, it starts seems like he's that. highly su- successful, right? Because didn't the U.S. government just come out, I don't know, a month or two ago and say, oh, yeah, we have all this footage mm-hmm. and documentation of all these UFOs. Yep. And everybody was kind of like, oh, yeah, cool. So uh, what's going on with Johnny Depp and Amber? It yeah. was like, hold on, the U.S. government just released this information. You would think that'd be the number one news story out. And it wasn't even, no one even... It was it, like it, it wasn't even in the main news cycle. Well, they, it's like nothing to see here. Go back to your regularly <laughs> scheduled program. Well, you know? we're so conditioned. It was just like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I was kind of right. baffled by that whole thing. I, I, I completely agree. I, I even posted today something on Facebook about, by the way, Stranger Things is a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kidding, but only partly because... I do believe the satanic global elite uses media to reveal what they're doing. They Symbolism is everything to them. Yeah. They're showing us the hand they're playing. They just know that we won't believe it. If we, if we, they came out and said, actually, this fictional movie is explaining exactly what we're doing, most people would go, oh, baloney. That's not really true. Because yeah. they don't believe there's a spiritual reality to any of this, you know. And that the aliens are, in fact, these spiritual entities that are involved, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, back to the passage there. Great, great discussion there. Um, so the Lamb of God comes and he takes the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. So the Lamb takes it from the hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. And when he had taken the book, verse 8, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. So if I look at the timing of these things, I'm seeing a lot. Some things have already happened. He has already been slain and has redeemed them. Yes. So we know this is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, we shall reign on the earth, verse 10. That hasn't happened yet because he hasn't returned back to mm-hmm. uh, establish his kingdom on the earth. Right now, it's yeah. still under the control of Satan. But he's about to start opening the seals. So Ryan Peterson posited, did he begin to do this in this first century? We look into the future. He's Because he opens the first seal, verse 11. I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's a lot of angels. Yeah. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. We talked about that, right? Under the earth. Or maybe my wife and I were talking about that. What does that mean, under the earth? You know, he's talking about individuals inside the earth. It's the only thing I can think is internal. Hades, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power unto him that sitteth upon the throne and, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And 
when you get to the next chapter, he begins to open the seals and then appears the horses. And we're not going to read about the horses right now, but we see the white horse. We see the, um, the, uh, an, another horse that was a uh, red horse to bring war. And we see a black horse to bring economic uh, problems. And is it possible that this all began 2,000 years ago? Because really, that's when Satan decided, oh, I messed up. I thought I was defeating the Son of God. Now I've been defeated by him at the cross. So he's mm-hmm. furious and he's wanting to make a wreck of things, you know. Yeah. Because he can't stop the seed of the woman from being born. He failed. Yeah. Now the next step is the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. So he's trying to prevent that from happening by taking out as many people with him as he can, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I think. But anyway, once again, you've got angels involved here. In this case, you've got these beasts that are cherubim, and you've got these 10,000 times 10,000 of angels round about the throne, all associated with the end times. Now, you mentioned the rapture earlier. Go back with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There's also one other thing, and I'll, I'll stop interrupting. Because no, it's then, not an interruption, man. You, well, these will t- this will turn into a part four if I keep, <laughs> if I keep bringing stuff up, right? That's okay. But everything in the Bible, the words in the Bible, everything has very uh, significant meaning, right? Oh, yeah. And I thought it was very interesting that, you know, he... We've talked about cherubs now, and we've talked about angels that are messengers mm-hmm. that come down like to talk to Lot at Sodom and Gomorrah, right? But in what you just read in chapter 5, it says, in verse 2, it says, I saw a mighty angel, or in your Bible, it might have said a strong angel, mm-hmm. which definitely is a differentiation between the, that angel and the other angels that are there. There are thousands. Of, I mean, it stood out in his mind like, wow, that one is like, yeah. Really strong or significantly bigger, I don't know how to describe it, better, stronger than the other angels. I'm just trying to, as we go through these this study, trying to think about how many different types of angels there are. Yeah. I mean, there's an archangel. Right. There's angels that are messengers. There's angels that are cherubs. And, and, that, is and now I'm seeing angels that are like strong angel warriors. Is the archangel. Warrior. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's just it's yeah. kind of fascinating to me the different types of angels that are it, out there. You bring up an excellent point, John. That every word is important. Mm-hmm. You know, every word. We we just think, oh yeah, strong angel. Yeah. Was, no, no. He's a strong angel. Why is he called strong compared to other angels? Yeah. You know, maybe angels have different jobs, mm-hmm. and the ones that are strong have a particular purpose. I think, I think you make an excellent point there. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 is a very familiar passage with most of us, but we're going to focus on something different here. Verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now watch this. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, we know this as believers to be the event we call the rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but caught Mm -hmm. up is the word. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about it. We, we were told, Daniel was told by an angel, seal up the words of the book until the time of the end. Mm-hmm. And in that time, Michael shall stand up, the prince of your people. Yeah. So if Michael is the prince of Israel, and right now Israel is lo am I, 
not my son, not my people, according to the book of Hosea chapter 1. After they rejected the kingdom and they rejected the king, God turned his back on them. And so nationally speaking, there's not an Israel of God as we will see yeah. when they're restored. Okay? So there's no hedge around them. There's no protection. Yeah. God's not listening to them. He's waiting for a confession, according to um, Hosea uh, 5. He said, I'll return to my place until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. So until that happens, they have no divinely appointed archangel to be their guard or protector. Yeah. Here we see an event called the rapture that when the Lord himself descends from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel implying Michael is back on the scene again. He's shouting as if to say, it's time. Maybe he's commanding his armies. Come does, on. does your Bible say the archangel and his archangel um, capitalized? It's not capitalized. It's a the I'm archangel. I'm using a King James Version. Mine says the voice of an archangel. Yeah, mine's a King James Bible, and it's the archangel. Interesting. Yeah, is yours a new King James or a regular King James? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say new. I would guess, but to me, when look I look at the front page, and it'll tell you. But I'm just curious if it if it's a 1611 or keep going a couple more right there. Oh no, that's an ESV. Oh, this is an ESV. Yeah, okay. ESV. Yeah, so it's that's why you might be seeing a difference. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, when I saw an archangel, an archangel, that term implies to me that there's more than one almost, right? That's why I was asking when you said the, that's like the one. Yeah. And says one would mean some, like there's one of others. Yeah. So, so. the archangel is what this King James Bible says. And, you know, even though we mm-hmm. were talking about words like strong are important, I think even the little words are important. Yeah. So to me, I agree with you. There's a difference between an archangel, meaning one of many, or the archangel, meaning one of few. Or yeah. only one. Or the only you one. Know, only yeah. one, yeah. And uh, and I would believe that Michael, who's called the archangel in the book of Jude or Second Peter, mm-hmm. um, uh, specifically would be that individual. Yeah. Like the commanding officer, uh, the highest ranking officer of God's armies. So it's interesting to think that he shouts. And why would he be shouting unless it's he's been... Um, put back on active duty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's been called from the reserves to go back. He's standing up for his people. So it's the time of the end. So the idea mm-hmm. being, uh, God has just said, okay, uh, let's start opening the seals. Now, is he the angel of the Lord as well? I don't think so. As well as the archangel? No, I think they're separate individuals. Wow. Yeah. So I that's think, fascinating also. Yeah, right? the, we got angel the archangel of the Lord we talked about last week, yeah. Yeah. Two, two very high-ranking angels, obviously. Very right? much so. One being the very uh, image of Christ's person when he appears as yeah. the angel of the Lord and speaks to him. Like I mentioned, I think it was the burning bush and, and the mm-hmm. pillar of smoke and everything in the Old Testament. But clearly the one who's speaking to John as he writes in the Revelation. Yeah. And then here's another, arc, the archangel, who shouts, and then there's a trumpet. And the trumpet's significant, too, because it says, with the trump of God. And, and sometimes people want to equate trumpet, with the word trump, with the word trumpet. And trumpets, as in the seven trumpets of the book of Revelation. You know, there's mm-hmm. seven seals, yeah. there's seven vials, there's seven trumpets. And um, there's only, uh, the sound the trumpet makes is the trump. 
So there's only yeah. one Trump here, the Trump of God. So it's as if to say, Michael shouts and someone's blowing a trumpet, the shafar of the Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, and it is uh, used to gather the assembly and to, and to prepare for battle. So that horn was blown for those two purposes, a gathering of the assembly of Israel mm-hmm. and to gather together for battle. So that two things are taking place here. It's as if he's saying, I'm gathering my elect here, the body of Christ, to take them out of this world because we go up to meet the Lord in the clouds. Mm-hmm. And then in my opinion, at that same trumpet blast, the angels of the armies gather together and they coalesce and they begin to engage in battle. You, we talked about this before. I don't know if we're um, going to cover this passage today, but Revelation 12 is Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. Yes. And his angels. And they defeat them. Mm-hmm. The dragon is defeated and cast down to the earth. I'm going to try to paint a scenario for you. A what if. What if when the rapture happens, the angel shouts, the armies gather, the assembly is caught up. We go up, meet the Lord in the clouds, surrounded by his host of armies and the, and the archangel. And we pierce through the barrier of the fallen angels that are right now occupying this planet in in the realm of outer space. Yeah. You know, okay. their weapons, their UFOs, whatever crafts they have. Yeah. And we pierce through enemy lines to go up to be with the Lord in the third heaven. And at that moment, they engage in battle. Michael and his armies and the dragon is an army begin to fight for three and a half years. All while stuff's going on with the Antichrist below. It's just a thought. You know, it's uh, yeah. the catalyst that begins. <laughs> it's a lot to digest right there. Yeah, the very catalyst that begins the seven years of tribulation is our removal. Yeah. And suddenly a big hole is created, breaking the ranks of enemy lines. And that's when they, it's like stirring up a fire ant nest. Yeah, so that's... They pour oh, out. This is a whole other podcast. But, <laughs> no. but, but that, that right there makes me, you know, we may have to do a podcast of... Pre-trib, mid-trib, yes, post-trib, right? Course. Because what you just mentioned was something happening mid-trib, no, potentially, right? No, because you said they'd be, they'd be fighting and they'd be fighting for three and a half years. Well, that'd be mid-trib. No, right? the beginning. There's seven years. Remember, there's two yeah. three and a half year periods. Yeah. So they're fighting for three and a half years. In the middle of the seven years, mid-tribulation, oh, they're defeated. Is they when come they're defeated thrown and come down. down. Okay. Yeah. yeah and that's then interesting. there's three and a half years. Yeah. So, wow. but you're right. We do need to do an episode about that and break that down. Uh, so one last thing, talking about these trumpets, because I want to make that clear for our listeners. First Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, because a lot of people do get confused about the trumpets. And okay. I want to make sure that they, they're wanting to equate, you know, well, there's no, there's no pre-tribulation rapture because we don't go up until the last trumpet sounds. But it doesn't yeah. say the last trumpet. And here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, Paul writes, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth uh, corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, faster than you can even measure. At the last trump. Now, that's not implying there's seven trumpets. Why? Because the next verse says, for the trumpet shall sound. What is the sound a trumpet makes? It's a trump. So there's more than one note. Let's say mm-hmm. it's reveille. 
you know, I don't know what the, the horn is going to play, but let's just pretend it's that note is the last trump. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably not how the song goes, but you get the idea. So, um, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And that's the event of the rapture. That's us going up. We've got to get rid of this flesh and blood. Put on bodies that are glorified bodies, as we we will have in the kingdom. And then uh, it all happens at the last sound of the trumpet, the trump. So there's no reason to believe that this is implying it's an end of tribulation rapture. The rapture has to take place first because we're delivered from the wrath to come. You know, why would he leave us here during the time of wrath, you know? And then notice the trumpet plays in again with angels at the end of tribulation. Look with me in Matthew. Now, a lot of Christians also equate the rapture with Matthew 24. The rapture is not in Matthew 24. Jesus doesn't mention it because it doesn't factor into Israel's salvation. The rapture was a mystery that mm-hmm. factors into the salvation of the Gentile church, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Delivered from the wrath to come. Matthew 24 is spending time warning Israel, beware when you see this, run from that. You'll go through great tribulation. They're okay. going to go through it. So the two cannot be equated together. This is still the, the gospel of the kingdom message. It's still uh, the Israeli national salvation program. Okay. Okay. And even though it's in mystery form, he's still telling them what to look for. So in Matthew 24, verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, after warning them what to look for, uh, the moon shall not give her light, or the sun shall be darkened, rather. The moon mm-hmm. shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. That's that's uh, angels falling. Yeah. Right? And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And that's basically the shaking out of heaven, Satan and his minions. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. 
and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So then there's a reference to the second coming, which we know is at the end of the seven years. Yes. Verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, he's not talking about the body of Christ yeah. or what we would call the, the church uh, believers today. He's talking about those that come to a saving faith in Christ in this time, Israel, yeah, and those believers, the Israel of God. He's gathering together his elect there. Verse 12, 32, and the reason why we know that is because of the very next verse. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. What do we know about a fig tree in the Bible? What, did Jesus ever encounter a fig tree and do something about it? You remember that? I don't know. There was a moment, which, and I used to read this as a kid because I didn't grow up in a church home. So from time to time I would read the Bible and I would see things I didn't understand. And he said he came to a fig tree and he found no figs on it. And so he cursed the tree and he said, let no for fruit, let from henceforth, no more fruit grow on thee forever. And I grew up in South Louisiana. I love figs. Okay. <laughs> I used to eat figs all the time. And so I kind of went, oh, poor little fig tree. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe it just needed some help, you know. Uh-huh. And I used to think how harsh that was. And then the, the very next day, it was clean, dried up. It was a picture of something because yeah. Christ never does anything for willy-nilly, you know. This well, he's not going to mess around with a fig tree yet. So yeah, it obviously, exactly. it's, it's a parable of something, it, right? It, it's a true thing. And what he did was he, he did uh, uh, wither the fig tree up, but the fig tree represented Israel. Mm-hmm. He came seeking fruit for three and a half years, and he found none. You know, okay. He even said um, there was a, a householder that planted a vineyard, and in the fig tree, uh, it wasn't bearing any fruit. So the, the house owner, the landowner, said, cut it down. It's taken up the ground. Yeah. And the vine dresser said, let alone this year also. I'll dung it, fertilize it, mm-hmm. and dress it, keep it. And if it bears fruit, great. If not, then cut it down. Because he said, lo, I come seeking fruit these three years. So he said, let alone this year also. I believe that's a reference to, for three and a half years, Christ sought fruit in Israel. And the fruit he was looking for was righteousness, justice, judgment, you know, help the orphans. This is, the this is during the tribulation. No, this is during Christ's earthly ministry. Oh, okay. Okay. Three and a half, which is ironic that three and a half year ministry to Israel, three and a half years. Yeah. Well, that's why I was confused by yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. So three and a half years, they're going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom again. Okay. In the time of tribulation. That's why we can't be here. Yeah. The church, the body of Christ has been preaching for 2000 years. Grace. Grace is going to be removed from the earth and back to the message of the Israel salvation. Yeah. From Matthew. So we're not qualified to teach it. The 144,000 are, though. Yeah. You know, they're Jews. But anyway, we're talking about the time of Jesus Christ. So he's preaching to Israel, and he can't find fruit on the tree. So he curses the fruit. In the parable where the vine dresser said, let me dung it for one more year, the rest of the year, mm-hmm. this year also, that was the year in which Christ was crucified. Because people don't realize that he's the Passover lamb, so he was killed at Passover which was the first month of the year, the 14th day of the month. Now, we think January, but for Israel, it was another day. Yeah, It was like April or May or somewhere in there, probably April. But it was still, the year was sort of measured the beginning of planting 
And then the end of the year was harvest. Yeah. It yeah. kind of makes sense, you know, the season, the growing season. So the end of the year would have been the harvest. And therefore, he died in the first month. Somewhere near the end of the year was when Stephen was stoned to death and Saul was there consenting to his death. Yeah. And somewhere near that time was when God chose him and made him become Paul, yeah. the apostle, the Gentiles. So there's a pivotal thing that's going on, and we'll maybe do an episode about Stephen and the timing of things with the tree, because I believe that was the end of that year, and it still didn't bring forth fruit. Interesting. Okay. So that tree <clears throat> removed, cut down, gone. When you see another tree suddenly begin to spring forth, and it's also a fig tree, we're talking about the birth of a new nation. The Israel that will accept, yeah. that will receive God eventually. And so that's what he means when he says, verse 32, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So it's like the beginning of... The tribulation, mm -hmm. right? So likewise, ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. And if you skip on down, we're not going to take the time to cover about um, as the days of Noah were in verse 37. So also shall be the coming of the Son of Man, because he references the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Mm -hmm. The only reference to marriage in the days of Noah was what? the sons of God taking the daughters of men yeah. in Genesis 6. So what he's trying to tell us here is they're going to do it again. Look for this. When you see angels coming down, and I mean bad ones, fallen angels intermarrying again, then you know it's time. It's the time. And so it's the time of God's wrath. Verse 39, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. He's comparing the, yeah. the, the days of the coming of Christ with the days of Noah. So shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. That's not taken up in a rapture. That's taken in the wrath. The one left is the good one. Hmm. The okay. one left is the saint. The one taken, because in when the flood came and it took them all away, who did it take away? The evil, yeah. the hybrids, the ones saved were in the ark, yeah. right? So verse 41, uh, two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken in wrath and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. So when he comes, he's coming to um, pour his wrath out, but he's going to gather together his elect in verse 31 his angels are going to come and gather together as elect. They're going to be protected in a place in the wilderness. It's Israel fleeing into the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that might be Petra of Jordan. I've heard that. Yeah. 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 We don't know for sure, but it's very possible. Now, <clears throat> go with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Because really, we're talking about angels in the end times. We're looking at many facets of angels in the end times. What they do, they have a lot of jobs, gathering together his elect, the archangel shouting to get us out of the way, um, uh, the opening of seals, the pouring out of vials of wrath. They're, they're actually going to be fighting with the, uh, the devil and his angels. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, when they come back to fight, watch what happens in verse 7. 
And to you who are troubled, rest with us. It's like take comfort in this idea. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, implying there's a group of angels that are designed to fight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how did they demonstrate their disobedience? By taking the mark. Take the mark. You yeah. got it, John. That's exactly right. And and they can't be saved. Something changed. They became unredeemable mm-hmm. genetically, I believe. This, By the way, our last episode uh, uh, of the Mystery of Angels Part 2, <clears throat> the video was pulled from YouTube. They mentioned that we violated their medical policy of some form or other. And mm-hmm. all you and I did was talk about an episode of The X-Files. Yeah where we mentioned that vaccines were being used for depopulation or something like that. Yeah. And I'm doing this again, so I know they're going to pull this one, too. <laughs> I was about to say, this one's gone now. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay, because we're going to get another platform. And by the way, at the end of this episode, we're going to announce our new premium podcast subscription that you okay. can participate Good. in, and you'll have access to things. They cannot deplatform us. Google is part of the satanic global elite. They all are. Believe me. Yeah. So, but we're going to use our own tools against them. So I like it. Yeah, I like it too. So we're going to need your help with that, folks. So I'll tell you what you can do to help us. But anyway, verse um, uh, 8 says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified. Now watch this. In his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you is believed in that day. That is proof positive that we come back. Because if we are his saints and he's going to be glorified in us and admired in us, then we're going to be here. Wow. I believe that the satanic global elite and the Nephilim and the hybrids and the unbelievers are going to see us returning with the Lord Jesus Christ. We might be fighting. I don't know. Maybe when I get that glorified body, I'll be considered a mighty. (laughs) We're going to need it for that battle. (laughs) Absolutely. To fight giants and whatnot and their technology. But the point is, we're going to ultimately be reunited with our angelic brethren. I think it's very interesting in that passage you just read. So that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Yeah. Eternal, right? Which means you cannot die. Yep. Right? You're just going to... Constantly You're dying. constantly dying, which also... Uh, and you'll know this, but in Revelation, it also mentions how men... They're being tormented by those creatures that come out of the pit, right? Yeah. Men want to die. Right. But they can't, they right? Can't. I mean, and that's kind of baffling to think, well, if you want to die, you can just kill yourself, right? Well, they can't kill themselves. Yeah. And the reason they can't kill themselves is because they're now transhuman yep. because of the mark of the they're beast, genetically modified. which made them or gave them some type of eternal life. So yeah. here they are with eternal life, which is eternal destruction. That's yeah. horrible. I mean, that's forever. It's they're probably a picture this. of it. You know, the the yeah. torment that they suffer wishing they could die while they're being uh, attacked by these things coming out of the pit. Yeah. It's probably a simple, uh, a, a picture, a symbol of the eternal death in the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. Feeling the pain, feeling death always, but unable to die. You know, it's a horrifying thought, but it's a choice they made. Now, are those beings, and this is off the rails here, so I won't spend too much time on are those beings that torment men the spirits of the Nephilim, or am I off base? I believe they're the actual fallen angels that took the wives of men and created the offsprings 
from ah, the Nephilim. Okay. But it looks like they have degenerated over millennia to become, you know, yeah. over 6,000 years. They are no longer these beautiful angels. Mm-hmm. They are now these creatures yeah. with stings in their tails and whatever, you know. Yeah. It's a fascinating, that's a study in itself, you know. Absolutely. Right uh, we, we're going to create so many episodes just from today. <laughs> <laughs> so to close out this one, let me share with you in Luke chapter 15, a story. And this is going to be something that I'm going to discuss at length with uh, author Timothy Alberino when he's on the show, because he posited this very idea in his book, Birthright. And when I read it, I thought, wow, the Lord gave him some real insight into something I never would have considered. Wow. Okay. And, and it's the story of the prodigal son. So I'll briefly read the passage because most people probably are familiar with it, but I want to just okay. refresh your memory. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, he said, a certain man had two sons, Jesus is speaking. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods and that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, or pigs. Mm -hmm. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. In other words, he was starving to death. Mm -hmm. And when he came to himself, as almost like when he came into his right mind, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father... I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He's figuring, hey, I'd be better off as a servant than a son. Yeah. If I'm going to die, can't even eat the pig slop, you know. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. In other words, we're going to celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now, most people kind of know this story, and they see the story through the lens of, this is a picture of man fallen from grace, like Adam sinning in the garden, and now he's returning to the Lord again, and he's found salvation, and he's called a son again. He's given the best robe, the robe of righteousness Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ, okay? But... Timothy Alberino posits that the elder son that never left the father is not what you might think. Watch verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what, was, what these things meant. And he said unto him, thy brother is come and thy father hath killed the fatted calf. Remember, this is the younger brother. Because he hath received him safe and sound. The younger brother is the one that came back. Yeah. The elder brother never left. And he was angry, the elder brother, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, a, a calf, yeah. that I might make merry with my friends. 
But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. So it's like he's upset. I was faithful all these years. Junior takes off. He blows it. He comes back and you throw him a party. Yeah, I mean, kind of rightfully so, right? Yeah, it's like that dad <laughs> building the treehouse. <laughs> yeah. Verse 31, and he said unto him, son, thou art ever with me. Now he calls him son. Mm-hmm. And all that I have is thine. It was meet or proper that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You know who he suggests, Timothy suggests, that the elder brother is? The angels. Our elder brethren. Okay. They're sons of God. Benai Elohim. They never left the Lord. We're not talking about the rebellious angels that joined yeah. Lucifer. We're talking about the ones that remain faithful to God. And so here they are saying, you're throwing a party for him? And what am I, chopped liver? And he's saying, hey, you're ever with me. But he was lost. And I found these, these angels didn't get lost. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you doubt that there's any, that there's like animosity of the angels toward their younger siblings, look in verse 7 of the same chapter. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Well, who's rejoicing in heaven over a sinner that repents? The angels. Their brothers, yeah. our brothers, right? So I just think it's a fascinating con- concept, and I'm going to go into great detail, hopefully, when Timothy comes on the show Saturday. So, And he's going to go over this when he's here? Okay. Well, I hope so, because yeah. that's one of my questions. <laughs> So that that's folks, an interesting take on is that. a fascinating yeah. take, yeah. But to it, it really what it does is, and and Timothy used the word anthropocentric, the mentality of man that the universe revolves around us, rather than looking at man is the Johnny come lately, mm-hmm. and of a millennia of untold ages of civilization in the universe that, for all we know, planets occupied, ruled over by angels. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. just limited to the earth? It's a big universe. You know, so Absolutely. But when we start to, your mind starts to reel when you start to think about archangels and princes and dominions and kingdoms that are all part of God's dominion, and they remained faithful, and here they were doing their job in the field all along, but he never threw me a party. But God's saying, hey, you were never lost. This one was dead. Now he's alive again. That's the whole point of the redemption of Christ Jesus and how we're going to be one day reunited with our elder brethren. Angels, something, something else. Well, Hmm. folks, we're out of time for today. I hope something about our study on the mystery of angels has given you some food for thought. And uh, John, like I mentioned earlier, uh, this will be the last episode we do before the first premium subscription will be available. We're going to be uh, creating some ads for you to um, uh, check out the services there. But we need your help uh, to keep this thing going. Uh, Perfect example is YouTube pulling our videos. Absolutely. They'll no doubt pull this one. Yeah. You know, Uh, so you can help us defeat them. Uh, There will be um, a way you can subscribe seven bucks a month. And uh, you're going to get bonus content. You're going to we're going to start having ads in our free podcast. Okay. And so the ads are going to be you and I, 
<laughs> talking about okay. the premium subscription. So you won't have to listen to that. If you subscribe, you'll also get access to the uh, new newsletter we're going to come out, Bible Mysteries Newsletter, which has some articles. We answer your questions. We do little video shorts for you. You'll have access to all of that. We're going to have a forum where people can engage, and we're going to do some uh, regular meeting in this forum where you can chat, and we can answer your questions there. You'll have access in that forum chat to download PDFs of all the show notes. Some people have been asking me, yeah. where's the downloadable awesome. version of the show yeah. notes? Yeah. And then, uh, and best of all, you're helping us use the tools of the satanic, satanic global elite against them. Right? I like that. And the best part about it is when we have special interviews, special guests, special events, and they go to part two or part three, you won't get part two or part three unless you subscribe. You'll get to see part one. Okay. But uh, if you want to have access to all of the interview and whatever, we're going to encourage you to subscribe. So a lot of people have been writing, asking, How's, how can we help? How can we support? You've been supporting us through utbnow.com. We're grateful for that. We want you to keep doing that. Don't forget the Unlock the Bible Now app where you can download and see other messages that we do for Sunday. And you can also donate through there. But this is another mechanism that you can use if you want to help support us. Uh, just by subscribing, and um, we will try to give you the best content we can. So, awesome. other than that, John, unless you have anything else well, to share? I mean, I think I, the only thing I would add to all that, right? I think it's very important that um, all of the people that are following the podcast, myself included, become subscribers because yep. it, I have a goal, and I would hope that everyone that um, appreciates all of the work that you're doing, Scott, and uh, I mean, one thing we have to remember is Scott has a full-time job and then he works on all this in the evening, right? To bring mm -hmm. us all of this contact. And there's a lot of research that goes into that. You're also working on a book, which is going to be phenomenal. If we can build our followership by sharing with our friends and sharing with our coworkers and our neighbors, and if, if we can build the subscription, this thing can potentially down the road self-fund itself, which... The goal there is to get this guy where he's spending more time yeah. not working so much for the man, yeah. right? And, and working, <laughs> gotta get out and from working under the man. for God to bring us more content yeah. and write the book and get it out and write another book and all of that. So that's the goal there. I'm glad you said you that. It, it really is our job to go full time with this ministry yeah. and grow it in a way. And I believe the Lord is going to do it, but he's going to use his people to do it. Yeah. So we encourage you to, to share it and subscribe it. You can even gift a subscription to a friend, you know, so it's really neat wow. the way it works out. So yeah, if you help us achieve that, I can, I can, promise you this, that the more time we can spend on this, the more research we can do, the more special guests we can get. I'd love to be able to go out and do more investigations yeah. uh, and things because, you know, we're so limited in what we what can do. But we've come uh, 82,000 unique listeners so far just with what resources we've had. So imagine what we could do with your support. So yeah. we, we pray that you would consider it and carefully, uh, prayerfully think about supporting us with a subscription. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll gift the first five subscriptions to the people that give me a positive review. <laughs> hey, there you go. And by the way, thank you for those of you that have made comments about John being a welcome addition. It made made me feel wonderful about him too because uh, I know that he was thinking, oh boy, I hope I can live up to Zena. But uh, yeah, while we love Zena and miss her, we uh, know that she's on a path that the Lord wants her to be Absolutely. on right now. Yeah. But John, I am very grateful to the Lord that he brought you to me. I'm thankful to be here. Well, thanks again for listening, folks. Don't forget utbnl.com, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening today. 
If you like what you heard, share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.